Hello everyone, it's Tom from Radio Runway here. I'd like to say welcome back to Season 2. Unfortunately, it's not in the best of circumstances because as it happens, in recording Episode 1 of our new season and the new segment to release alongside this little snippet of me talking right now, I appear to have completely and utterly cooked the audio by not selecting the correct audio input. So the result is everything has an echo on it. So I'm really sorry. I hope you guys can manage to get through this news piece without any worries and can understand everything. We're going to reshoot episode one. Everything will be okay. Might be a slight delay, but thank you very much for accommodating us and I hope you enjoy this lovely segment today. Hey guys, it's been a while, but welcome back to News with Nick. And this is what has happened this week in aviation. Firstly, there has been big news coming out of Qantas at the end of last week with the national carrier announcing a $2.47 billion underlying profit before tax. Woo! This represents the largest profit ever made by the airline, <laughs> as well as the first full year of statutory profit since financial year 19. Ross, you were pretty keen there. No, I just realized Tom's going to make a sound bite out of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, what's not to be keen about if you're a corner shareholder, that is to say. Exactly, exactly. Well, not only if you're a shareholder, because from the profits, the airline will be setting aside $340 million to reward more than 21,000 staff. And obviously, they're going to be sharing over a billion Qantas points to members of the Qantas Frequent Fly program. I personally got 2,000 points from them. Yeah, right. I have, yeah. Ask, I have to ask my friend at Qantas if he got any discount or any sort of staff trouble or something like that. Maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah. Let us know, friend from Qantas, Tom's friend from Qantas. We're uh, keen to hear from you. Exactly. The last time I remember early in the year, they had their option between shares and... And, and cash? Yeah. Or, or, or was it like a travel voucher or something like that? Or did you actually yeah. Well, he chose, he chose the shares from what he was saying. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. So. I mean, the shares have gone up. I was reading this morning that the shares have gone up 40% year-to-date. Wow. So not, not a bad option to go. Anyhow, according to the ASX release, the group's $1 billion recovery program has been complete with the company seeing a 132% increase in flying compared to financial year 2022, meaning higher revenues from even stronger travel demand, particularly from the domestic market, which has now exceeded pre-COVID numbers higher than it was in 2019 and that in itself in and of itself is an achievement that is that is international's not there but it will be soon apparently next year it'll get to pre-covid numbers but so what are your international numbers at the moment i think 80 percent off the top of my head so not quite there yet but very close to being there did you guys see much of alan joyce's piece on 730 i haven't actually no i, haven't. I know you have and I really need to watch it. There's so many interesting, juicy nuggets hidden throughout there. He really is good in front of the media. And put a, put a microphone on him and put him in front of a camera, and Alan Joyce can realistically sell you most things. But I found it most interesting that when asked the question, who does this profit most benefit, 
between customers, shareholders, employees. The obvious answer to anyone would be shareholders. But he put this incredible spin on there being a benefit to all involved, including workers, which I found interesting considering that the number of workers within Qantas Group has shrunk significantly since the uh, the layoffs, since the shift to third-party operators, stuff like that. And I just find it interesting that someone who spearheads the company like that can then also claim that a profit like this is pro-worker when so many workers suffered to get this profit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The workers who survived are the ones who are benefiting from this, but they're also That's benefiting right. from the losses of their co-workers. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say, well, a lot of staff have been rewarded, not just at Qantas, but by any other airline. Like I know Emirates, uh, they did incredibly well and they rewarded their staff, every single member of their staff, with six months worth of their salary as a bonus. Mm. So if you're earning 60 grand a year, they got a 30 grand bonus, like sort of cash in hand straight up. And that was all paid off in one, which mm. is insane. That is I don't insane. know whether Qantas are doing the same. They're probably not. No. But that is absolutely insane. Could you imagine half your salary just given to you straight up as a bonus? That is pretty crazy. Before or after tax? Oh, well, if it's Emirates, there's no tax. So. Yeah, <laughs> it was interesting also listening to Alan Joyce talk about the fact that he couldn't afford to fly as a kid and he wanted to change that and that was part of his motivation to try and impact the Australian aviation industry when he became well, akin to it at his, through his time at Jetstar and then eventually Corners. Uh, I found it interesting that he had sort of motivations outside of running a good business because mm-hmm. that's what he's done all through the pandemic. Okay, one thing I will say about the 7.30 report that I thought was just completely <clears throat> bogus was the idea that Alan Joyce was willing to claim that Qantas were legitimately nine weeks away from bankruptcy at some point during the pandemic. You don't think they were? Absolutely not. You think you think that the Australian government is going to let the national carrier default? I, I highly doubt it. And as it is, they already got a lot of government assistance through JobKeeper, technically. I understand that. Again, interesting that he claimed that there was no money to give back is a great piece on that as well it's it's interesting how he navigates his way out of that because there's two things that he says one thing is by chartering flights yeah so obviously when the government pays Qantas money they're paying Qantas to bring in people home for repatriation or to bring in sort of cargo whatever So why would you need to pay the government money back on that? Yeah. And then the other one's JobKeeper, isn't it? Yeah. So why would you expect my employees to give the government back money from JobKeeper? Yep. The, and then, those and those then, were two key That's right. Arguments. That's right. And 730's argument back to him in, re, in retort was that the government is at a loss in terms of the, the money that they're receiving, you know, to put towards other things that tax provides to society. And Alan Joyce's... Would you refund the government that money? Of course you won't. That's so timely. That's so timely. He actually... I mean, he went down that line again. And and I just find it so interesting that when put that question, Alan Joyce turned around and said, okay, well, you know, we're still... It means nothing because we're still giving business taxes to the government 
this financial year, we're still paying all of those taxes as we normally would as a company. So what money is there possibly to give back to the government? I mean, maybe all of the money that, I mean, yeah, of course, they're, they're always going to pay that money, the business tax. Like that's a year on year thing. There's no extra, you know, money on top of that, that they're repaying as such. That's just expected. You know what I mean? Can I ask, I'm going to bring up the past here. Before Ansett went bust, where was Qantas's position in the market? Would you say Ansett or Qantas was Australia's national carrier when Ansett was in their prime? Um, uh, it was sort of two totems at the top of the mountain, really. That one, one approached from a more low-cost perspective, um, but I wouldn't say Ansett was seen in the same light as Jetstar. Jetstar seen as a low-cost carrier with dirt cheap fares and poor OTP. Well, not necessarily Ansett... comparing Ansett to Jetstar. I'm saying if you would, like if you go back. 25 years ago and you'd say right what is Australia's national carrier would you say it's Qantas or Ansett 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 sponsored the Olympics Ansett hat was owned by a media tycoon so Ans- Ansett put a marketing spin that led the Australian people to believe it was a national carrier which is probably why for so many reasons it was considered such a travesty when it went under and I was going to say why didn't the government save them if they wanted to save their national carrier Who's to say the government wouldn't have saved Qantas during the pandemic when they actually did, uh, when they were going to, to declare bankruptcy? Yeah, that's a good one. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's my thought on that. Yeah. And, oh, here's another great nugget from the 730 uh, interview as well. What time was it? <laughs> Sorry? Oh, oh, oh my god! <laughs> well done. Um, I, I believe it. I believe it began at seven twenty-nine. Um, Scott, yeah. can make you fact check that, please? <laughs> Everyone listening at home, fact check this. Okay. So the interviewer, uh, interviewer who escapes my um, her name escapes me unfortunately, but she was she was fairly balanced. She put it to Ellen Joyce that why is it that. Australia is kind of it is kind of redundant what she said, but she said, "Why is it that Australia, um, the Australian federal government gave Qantas lots of money theoretically through JobKeeper, mm-hmm. sort of siphoned it through their employees? But obviously, they're not entitled; to, they're not required to give all of that through to their employees necessarily. Mm-hmm. And then the Australian government not take any form of stake in Qantas, while Air New Zealand has done that." And the, and the government has taken a stake in it. And Ellen Joyce came in strong with what really was an answer, a good answer to what was a sort of a, a poorly thought question. And New Zealand has always been 50% owned by the government for like the last 20 years. So during the pandemic, when they received a bailout from the government, the government didn't necessarily take, you know, them taking a stake in the island wasn't necessarily a big thing. They already were majority owners. You know what I mean? Or at least, you know, 50-50 with private, you know, private equity owners. I don't think it's a big thing necessarily them taking any more of a stake. I don't think they did take any more of a stake, actually. I think, I think it's still 50-50. I think it comes down to how much a country relies on the airline to bring in business. So let's look at Singapore Airlines, for example. That's their national carrier. And if you look at the economy of Singapore, they rely heavily on foreigners coming in to spend their money to contribute to the Singaporean economy. If you look at Air New Zealand as well, they've capitalised on that brand of the Air New Zealand brand so much because I'm, I'm not too fluent with the New Zealand economy, but I'm sure there'll be a heavy some sort of a heavy reliance on incoming passengers coming in and, and tr- New Zealand's tourism. Oh, like immigration. New Zealand tourism. Immigration and tourism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like how, how much of New Zealand's economy 
um, does tourism contribute to? I would imagine a fair bit. I'm not. So I'm I would not say with the, the N, with the Air New Zealand brand, I would say it'd actually be vital for the government to keep funding it because it's contributing to their economy quite handsomely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd say that's fair. And the, and the other thing with that, sorry, one last thing is any time it was put to Alan Joyce that they're trying to monopolise the Australian domestic market, mm-hmm. any time that that was put to him, and it was put to him multiple times throughout the interview and on radio shows, any anything, his, his sort of line, go-to line that clearly he had been well workshopped was... Australia, um, the operating space in Australia is far less regulated than other countries. In the US, you can't just go in and operate, begin operating a brand new airline owned by international equity groups or something like that, like you can with Bonza. You can't do that. It has to be American-owned, American-funded, and it has to be, it can only be up to 25% internationally owned, I'm pretty sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone listening at home, fact check this. Yes, thank you, Christos. I'm not sure on that. Whereas here in Australia, endless opportunity. We have so many outside investors in airlines. Virgin, Virgin Australia's, you know, um, I guess, regrowth or, or a restructure, Bonza, you know. And that was his line was, oh, well, you know, people just have to come and try and compete with us. You know, it's not like they can't, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, but at the same time, though, you consider... I like the way that Bonds is heading, but I wouldn't say that they're a big airline yet. I yeah. want to say domestically, Qantas have control over fifty percent of the domestic market. Oh yeah, because at least. I mean, Qantas Jetstar, that's one, and then obviously yeah. with the other two, Agreed. you've got Rex, which is much smaller, and then you've got Virgin, which is probably the same size competitor. Yeah, but even more than that, actually, I'd say Qantas have more than fifty percent. But if you just look at it from an airline point of view and how many airlines operate in the space, fifty percent of the domestic market is already. Qantas owned, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why obviously we've seen such high fares. Obviously from Qantas Mainline, um, Jetstar. It might Here we go. go. Qantas and Jetstar combined make up sixty-five percent of Australia's domestic market. Yeah, Thank you for you fact-checking that. There Thank you go. And that's from the ACCC as well. So oh, take that to the bank. Lobbyists. That, that was as of twenty twenty-two. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a bit less now because Rex has opened up. New yeah, words. you've got Bonzo as well in the mix. So I'll probably say like what sixty percent now, but still it's a majority. Yeah, Bonzo's opening opening up a cool Gatta base. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. This has gone down to Tassie. Do they still only have three planes, Bonzo? No, uh, five. They got oh, five. five planes, about to be two, and I won't say anything more because it might be in the game show later. Anyway, <laughs> well. In addition to Qantas's financial news, the airline has also outlined its plan to phase out its A330 fleet from financial year 27. The airline hopes that its order of an additional four 7879s, eight 7877s, and 12 A350 1000s can ensure the continued international growth in the airline's flights to Asia and North America. The group has also mentioned that the purchase right options have been negotiated evenly between the two aircraft manufacturers, which gives flexibility for further growth and to eventually find a replacement for the A380, which will begin being phased out during FY32. So can I just say, Mm -hmm. if they're phasing out the A330s and replacing them with A350s and Dreamliners for their international routes... Mm -hmm. What are they going to do for the A330s that they use domestically? Uh, they'll use these domestically, but I mean, 
you can use any aircraft domestically. I mean, when, when you consider that, obviously capacity is one thing, which well, is I'm quite just... easy to find, but also it's range. <clears throat> That's so, what I'm saying. Right. Why, why would you use... Like, Melbourne and Sydney is the, is the busiest route in the country, if not the top three in the world. Why would you use a Dreamliner, for example, with such range on su- such a short route? Are they going to retrofit? Because you need capacity. I mean, yeah. but like, look at, look at all wide-body aircraft at the moment. What wide-body aircraft right now doesn't have an ultra-long capacity? Like, even the A330neos yeah. are so high in terms of range. I stand by my comment... That I continue to make because it still make, drives me mad. The fact that they use A321 Neos transatlantic. That pisses me off. But anyway. Like that's another example. That's that's medium long range. They're using A321 Neo. Yeah, but it's it's cost effective though, hey? Yeah, oh, of course it's cost effective. That's another story. My point is that you're right. Like range is no object anymore. Right, range is no object. I mean, obviously Melbourne, Sydney, <clears throat> that's correct. But they don't put an A330 on Melbourne to Sydney because they need an A330 Melbourne to Sydney for the range aspect of it. It's because there's so many people that travel. And if you look at the the times that the A330 are rostered, it's during the weekday and it's early mornings or sort of late at night. It's when people are traveling for work. So when so so at peak times, particularly when people traveling between Melbourne and Sydney need to go to work or they need to come home from work, they put the A330 on. Because yep. that's when the bulk of the people are traveling and the 737s just aren't cutting it. Um, and also a, a, a prime example of wide-body aircraft being used for capacity in general. Is, Japan. Is, that's what I was going to say. Hey, Japan. <laughs> I mean, the fact that ANA... Well, no, no, no. The fact that Japan Airlines can run a 30-minute turn on an A350 on a domestic route Shows that it can be done. Yeah, it can. Are they are they retrofitted A350s for sh- uh, for short haul only? Like remember um, when they used to um, have short range seven four sevens? Yeah, the SPs. Yeah, the SPs. Mm. What, what what do you reckon the business case is for something like that with like a new um, Dreamliner order for Qantas in then, Australia? They're not well, retrofitted, but they do have tighter engineering schedules. They're put in for um, regular engine checks far more often or more frequently than a wide body used on long haul. Well, I'm gonna say. I don't know about the four seven eight seven nines, but I'm assuming that the eight seven eight seven tens that they have, as well as the twelve A three fifty one thousands, actually particularly the twelve A three fifty one thousand, they will be much more densely configured. I mean, you consider the A three fifty one thousand ULRs that mm. they're going to get for Project Sunrise. Yeah, that's the least densely configured A three fifty ever. That's not going to be the case for this. I mean, there's no way that you're going to have so little seats on yeah. an aircraft. If you're going to fly it from, I don't know, Melbourne to Singapore or um, Sydney to Tokyo, like, obviously you can fit a lot more people in. You don't have to worry about, you You have to worry less about, like, you know, their well-being, etc. Being able to cope with a nine-hour flight compared to 22 hours on the go. Um, there might not even be first class on these A350 1000s, obviously just because there might not be a business case for first class on an eight hour flight, you know, just flight yeah. business class. Yeah. It's great. Um, so yeah, I would say that these new aircraft orders as a whole will be more densely configured than what we're currently seeing on the 350 1000 ULRs. And even the Qantas Dreamliners are very Yeah. That they're, they're very low on sort of seat numbers. And and actually um, speaking of star class not being a priority to 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 expand capacity, um, our friend who friend of the show? Who will be on later in the year to debate our friend Mitch? Oh yeah, very very highly anticipated type rating debate. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's huge on the idea that Star Class should be made available to LCCs in Australia, but I don't necessarily see an advantage to that if you're an LCC. I, th- I think the whole point is to maximise capacity, right? And I mean, as we saw two weeks ago um, in the in the press, Jetstar talking about how there's potential for them to retrofit some of their current seven eight sevens to do, you know, longer haul flying than what they're currently doing. With no star pass in their seven eight sevens, I find that very interesting. Yeah. Well, in addition to this, the press release also states that the last few A three thirties to retire, to be retired, my bad, will undergo a cabin refurbishment from financial year twenty five, which includes new economy seating, which should further prolong the life of Qantas's youngest A three thirties, which currently range between ten to thirteen years old. That's actually a lot younger than I was expecting. Yeah, so Echo Bravo Victor, Echo Bravo Sierra, that sort of range, the A330 200s, they're about 10, 11 years old. So they've got another 10, 11 years left in them, I'd say. If we're, if we're going off by Qantas's retirement age, which is usually about 20 to 23 years I'd say 20 to 25 between that. Yeah, between that age, yeah. So they've still, they still got a bit of life left in them. Wow. So obviously a refurbishment would be good. Secondly in the news, it's obviously, it's not new, but it's noteworthy, is the Australian government's decision to reject Qatar Airways' request for yes. an additional 21 weekly flights on top of the 28 wow. allowed that they're using in the bilateral agreement. So interesting. Man. So a few days ago, CEO of partner airline Virgin Australia, Jane Herdlicker, said in a statement that the airline is deeply disappointed in the decision and the inquiry has again highlighted the importance of increase in international aviation capacity in Australia. She also mentioned that the international airfares are currently 50%, five zero higher than they were pre-COVID and additional Qatar Airways flights would have an immediate and tangible effect in reducing airfares on flights between Australia and Europe, the Middle East and Africa. In addition to this, the Australian Chamber of Commerce and the industry's chief executive, John Hart, stated that the decision to deny the application has been estimated to cost the tourism industry up to $788 million. And when asked why Qatar Airways request was denied, Australian Transport Minister Catherine King said that the request for additional services is not in the national interest of Australia. What? While they will always consider the need to ensure that there are long-term, well-pitched, pure jobs by Australians in the aviation sector when they're making the decisions. I mean, what a load of rubbish. I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on here for a second, but interesting that Anthony Albanese's government has denied this and... Qantas have allowed Nathan Albanese full unfettered access to the chairman's lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's got to be some internal lobbying happening there. That was one Qantas. of the questions as well on the 7.30, I think. I watched the start of it, but yeah, that was one of the first yeah, questions that I they just, asked. I'm sorry, but there's got to be internal lobbying going on. For a government to so blatantly ignore something that is clearly in Australia's best interest... I mean, I don't know how she says it's not in the national interest of Australia. How is it not in the national interest of Australia? <sighs> it makes sense. Tourism goes up. We're able to travel more. I mean, competition. Hey, competition. Yeah, I mean, competition. Yeah. yeah. There's more. There's going to be more competition. So that and it's not a, a genuinely. It is not like other than Sydney, 
it is not like any of the other eastern seaboard destinations or airports can not afford to free up slots. There's slots available. There's is it just sl- available. is it just slots at Sydney Airport? Because what what's going to happen when they open Western Sydney International? Yeah, yeah. Well, that again. Yeah. Alan Joyce mentioned that in seven thirty report. Will, will it come across um, like both of those airports? Or? Theoretically, unlimited Probably, slots, according to according to the numbers being run at the moment by um, CASA. Unlimited slots. Really? Yeah. Because because um, they can easily take overflow from, and I mean all the cargo operations in into and out of Sydney is going to completely it's going to change the cargo setup. There's going to be insane. That's that's a story for another time. But you're right. WSI does somewhat change the game. Mm. Yeah, it does. But I I just don't know how she says it's not in Australia's best interest. Jane Herblicker was pretty angry. I mean, obviously she would be right because. It's less flights that version Australia can co-chair out. Yeah, literally. Um, but I just don't. I just don't get it. You know, we at this point in time, I really think that we should be allowing more airlines to come in with more frequencies. Yeah. Um, there needs to be higher competition. I agree. Particularly in Australia, um, where obviously Qantas have just posted this two point four seven billion dollar um, profit. Which is obviously great for them, but that's off little to none competition and high fares. As as the consumer, it we're not winning here at all. Yeah, um, and that's something to look out for later in the season, ladies and gentlemen. I'd be listening because I'm sure there'll be a point in one of our episodes where we run the scenario around what were to happen if the entirety of Australia were habitable and cities on the inner area of Australia started to pop up and population started to get denser what would the australian air market look like it's an interesting case study i'm sure you'll see it pop up later in the season at some point mm. I, I do want to say as well like with with qantas their international coverage across australia isn't great i mean melbourne's good sydney's good brisbane's pretty average there's no international services out of adelaide i think there's only singapore and potentially Denpasar out of Perth, there's none out of Darwin, so it's really isolated to Melbourne and Sydney. And the, the, the decision to block Qatar Airways from going into Australia even further, that's a big hit on places like Perth, places like Adelaide, places like Brisbane, where the different options to be able to get out of the country are significantly less than they are, particularly here in Melbourne or in Sydney. And that drive the price up really, yeah. really high. So yeah. that, that's a huge that's a huge loss for them. And obviously I'm I personally as a consumer, I'm sure all of us consumers out there are really hoping that Qatar Airways are allowed that additional twenty. Given that flights. Qatar Airways are an international international airline, is is it even possible to get the ACCC involved? Is it even possible to get the ACCC involved into a government's claims that it's not in the best interest of Australia or, or in, cons- in the interest of consumers or tourism or anything. Oh, I'm sure it is because it, it, it affects Australians. Yeah, right. If, 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 it, if, it, if it goes in and out of Australia and it affects Australians, I'm sure it is. Exactly. But look, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, uh, we'll check out the news. It's not done yet. Um, there still will be more action, I'm sure of it. Oh, 100%. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll look at it with a close eye. Finally... Air New Zealand has announced that capacity for Trans-Tasman and Pacific Island flights will increase 
with the purchase of an additional two A321neo aircraft. These new aircraft will be in the international configuration with 214 seats in an all-economy setup. The new aircraft will be delivered at the airline late next year with the airline already expecting two domestic configured A321neos by the end of the year. They have also announced that they will be purchasing another two ATR-72-600s, which will add an additional 5,700 seats weekly on regional routes from Auckland. Very good, New Zealand. I know. It's Nicely good. Done. Yep, exactly right. I, not much to say there other than uh, I, I'm, it's sort of continuing the, the trend in the direction of um, an LCC disguised as a legacy carrier. Realistically, but Trans Tasman is very funny though because when I when I flew I I flew to Auckland and Queenstown last year, and it's very interesting how they set it up because obviously Air New Zealand is a full service carrier, but there's different bundle options when you book your flights. Yeah. So you can literally book as a flight only, and you yeah. get like seven kilos of checked bags. That's right. You yes. don't get any carry on, and then an you get like a you get a seat seven, plus seven bag. kilos checked bag. And sorry, no sorry, sorry, on. no, 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 sorry, sorry. <laughs> what? Hell yeah! <laughs> Sorry, seven kilos of carry-on and no check bag. My bad. Imagine my bad. taking a handbag up to check in. Sorry, man, that's gonna have to be in the, uh, <laughs> in the lower galley. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a brain fart there. Yeah, but then, yeah, yeah. You, you have that you have a seat plus bag, and then obviously that allows you to have check bags, which is twenty three kilos or something pretty standard like that. And then you have the works, which is basically um, all that plus Skybunk. Skybunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not on the three twenty one. Ah, damn. Ah, damn. And then, yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting how it turns into an LCC Trans Tasman. But if you're flying Air New Zealand, say, I can imagine on the seven eights and the triple sevens, different story for sure. Yeah, maybe not the triple seven actually, because that's actually more recently been run primarily Trans Tasman. Uh, Be interesting. So so what happens is is it does a Trans Tasman and then it goes. Trans Pacific. It, go, oh, it goes up to it goes up to the states. It goes up to the west coast, right. and then it sort of it does like a, a U shape. What about I, that? I don't know. <laughs> what about the Dempasar one? Isn't there one that goes Dempasar? Uh, that's a Dreamline, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, is Vamos still going? Actually, it's interesting you mentioned Vamos because Vamos is going to end in October. They're going to whack a Dreamliner back on again, so a proper oh. New Zealand Dreamliner to, will to come Perth. back on uh, Auckland to Perth. So yeah. There you go. Uh, adios, vamos. People of uh, that's good. No, nice, nice. <laughs> people of Perth will. I mean, not people of Perth. People of Hobart will be treated to a lovely little contrail in the sky each day until November. By the sounds of it. That's it. That's it. Well, that is the end of the news. Uh, it's been a relatively long one, uh, but it has been a very good one. I've enjoyed talking to you fellas about the three yeah. big things that have happened in the past week. Good dense big, conversation. Big, things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll be back again next fortnight with some more juicy news content. But, yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed today. Until then, see you next time. Catch see you, you guys. Later.